Hello and welcome to Acro Tales, a podcast that explores the fascinating world of acromegaly. Acromegaly is a rare condition caused by a benign tumour in the pituitary gland, causing an excessive release of growth hormones. My name's Dan Jeffries and I was diagnosed with acromegaly in 2007. In each episode of Acro Tales, I'll be talking to fellow acromegalics from around the world about their journey with this unique condition. It's episode 14, and I am really pleased to welcome Phil from Southampton in the UK. Phil is 58 and was diagnosed with acromegaly on April the 1st, 2010. Obviously, not a joke. Uh, Phil, welcome to Acro Tales. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good, thank you very much. Good. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, so, tell us about how you were initially diagnosed. How what what were you noticing in the early days, and how did you end up with your diagnosis? I think it, it all started around uh, year two thousand. I I was uh, diagnosed with carpal tunnel syndrome, and uh, shortly after that. I'd noticed other things, osteoarthritis. But it was generally two years before my diagnosis that it all started really going wrong. Right. What what were you noticing? Uh, uh, The fingers swelling up. I had my wedding ring uh, cut off twice. Feet were starting to grow. Right. Headaches. Okay. Visual, any visual yes. loss or? Yeah, uh, double vision when I was, uh, I was getting more and more fatigued and right. then double vision would kick in. Okay. And, and did you notice the change in appearance or did your family notice the change in appearance? No, no. My, my wife is still eternally guilty of this she's she she really beats herself up over it but where it was such a gradual yes it's really not no yeah i mean it when you look back and um i'm sure you'll share some photos with us that uh listeners can look at on the acro tales website yeah when you look back and you see that change of say let's say 2004 then 2005 and 2010 and you see that sort of you know big gaps in time uh you really do notice the difference don't you but i think when when you live with someone uh you you don't you're not going to notice that very subtle change no no yeah it's it's an odd one and and, you know i i I think anyone that's listening that's gone through that uh as a partner or a friend should never feel guilty about it because if we don't notice it you know why would anyone else i suppose yeah because i must admit myself a couple of years before I was actually diagnosed, I'd become very camera shy. Yes. Yeah. Which was basically down to my skin condition at the time. I'd started getting teenage acne in my mid-40s. And wow. It was... <laughs> That's definitely a hormonal sign, isn't yes, it, I think? Yes, And had your jaw changed shape in any way? Had, had um, you know, teeth can often be a big indicator yes, that something's yes. wrong. Yes, so I've, I've got uh, an underbite, which uh, my dentist said was through putting a pen in my mouth when I was a youngster. Really? Yes. 
So isn't it amazing, we've said this before, isn't it amazing how a dentist could look at that and think, no, let's not assume it's a pen, you know, let's let's investigate this further. And I I really think dentists can play a huge role in uh, early diagnosis of acromegaly. Yes. Um, okay, so you're noticing all these changes. Uh, what was it then that actually got you to that diagnosis? I woke up one morning and I couldn't walk on my left foot. I just wow. had this, it was like a sprain. I, yeah, and after a couple of weeks, uh, I went to the doctors and they sent me for an x-ray but the x-ray was clear and there was no okay. yeah no broken bones or nothing but this went on for months and I kept going back to the doctors and then I uh, I was sent to various departments at the hospital right and at the same time uh, I had carpal tunnel in my other hand, which uh, that was getting progressively worse. Right. And uh, the headaches, double vision was getting worse. Okay. Yeah, I went to see an optician. He, he then asked me how long had I had a squint in my eye, which I... I I hadn't had a squint at the last eye test, right? So they didn't didn't click on, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite a long journey, journey then. Yeah, and I was visiting the doctors quite regular because I knew something was wrong. I mm. I I knew something was seriously wrong, and. I had a locum doctor at the time that she basically said she didn't know where to go. Right. Uh, I don't know where to take this. I'm completely lost. And looking back in hindsight, I think she had me down as a HC hypochondriac. Really? Yeah. Wow. That mu- that must be quite demoralising if was. that's what you're thinking. It was. And at the time, I was... Uh, so down, and I, I think it was my wife that really pushed me to keep going because okay. I was at the stage of just giving up. Giving up, yeah. Okay, so what? What? How did you finally get there? It was at that meeting when she said, "We don't know where to go with this." I, I basically said, "Look, there's something wrong, I, and I need to find out." And she said, "We'll." We'll try a rheumatologist. So I had an appointment with a rheumatologist that within seconds of she just looked me up and down and went, right, have your feet grown. Let's have a look at your hands. She didn't even bother to check my bad ankle. <laughs> it was, right. yeah, she just looked me up and down and she said, you're in the wrong department. I'm going to get you an emergency appointment. Just go with home. With endocrinology, I presume. Yeah, with endocrinology. Go go home. Don't think about anything. 
Um, it, <laughs> That's it, the it, worst thing. To say. <laughs> God, but she 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 didn't eat, she didn't mention acromegaly. She just right. said, "I think I know what's wrong," and that was it. And within a week, I had an appointment with an endocrinologist that just uh, looked me up and down. Yeah, again, tell me your story. I told her what was going on, list of symptoms, and she said, I'm 99.9% sure you've got acromegaly. And she said, I'm going to book you in for an MRI. And But she said, I'm as certain as certain can be. This is what you've got. And that was April the 1st, 2010. And I'd say a good 10 years of being symptomatic. So that really must have been quite a relief then when you were fi- you finally had a name <laughs> for your diagnosis. Yes, it was. I actually come out of the hospital fist pumping mm-hmm. that I'd got a diagnosis I was yeah. I was right I was ill but and by the time I'd left and phoned my wife to say what was wrong I'd actually forgotten the word acromegaly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was stumbling uh, mumbling some acro something ac- yes and my wife was straight on google was it acromegaly I said yeah that's it it's amazing, isn't it? Because when you when you're fed all of this information, it's so much to take on board that it's it's just very easy to forget. You know, yes. even the name of the condition that you've been diagnosed yes. with, and, I, and and you know, I think that's why it, I it's always a good idea to go with someone if you can, because they're going to be listening and yes. not 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 having to take on board all of the sort of emotional impact of it quite as much. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, that's that's really is quite a lengthy diagnostic odyssey, as as it's known. And uh, I'm very glad that you finally got there. So, did they? I guess the next step was growth hormone uh, yes. and IGF one tests and things like that. Yes. Yeah, I had uh, IGF one test, and my growth hormone at the time was uh, one thousand five hundred thirty six. Wow. Where it should have been just over 300, 340, I think it was at the time, should have been my target. Right. So you were five times the usual yes. standard uh, sort of levels of, yeah. of growth hormone. Wow. Okay. And and uh, I guess they do, as usual, an MRI scan to check the size of your yeah. <clears throat> tumor. Did they tell you if it was? Yeah, they told uh, me I what size it was. Macro. <clears throat> They didn't give me the exact. It was a bit, uh, I think they said 12, 12 mil. Okay. Okay. So um, not the biggest, but... No. Because uh, <clears throat> I thought micro was between one and two centimetres and then macro was two centimetres and bigger. So Yeah. Do you know what? I <clears throat> don't actually know the size. No. It's interesting. I think that's something that uh, maybe now compared to... 10 years ago yeah you would you probably would be told that yeah. um i don't think i was particularly told the size no. only on the day of operation when i asked they said about seven millimeters um okay and i guess they got you in quite quickly uh for your treatment 
Uh, yes, uh, I started uh, some daily in, daily injections pretty much straight okay. away. Uh, they started me on uh, octreotide. Uh, and that's to suppress the tumour, isn't it? Yeah. To, to calm it down a bit. Calm it down before surgery. And actually, that got my growth hormone down to uh, IGF-1 down to, it was about 800 before surgery, just on that. Wow, that's, that's, that's a real improvement, actually. Yes, and it actually, it was, uh, I felt better in myself okay. in, a, in a very short period, just before surgery. Wow, that, that's that's quite an amazing thing, and and then they would have, and then they, I suppose, they'd elected to do the transphenoidal surgery um, yes. up the nose. Is that their plan? Yeah. Okay. And how how soon did you have that after being diagnosed? Uh, the surgery was uh, planned for August after. Okay. Yeah. After April the first. Yeah. So four months or so yeah all right that's pretty good and so you uh <coughs> admitted for surgery and did it all go smoothly did you uh no not the first time it was cancelled <laughs> ah okay which was frustrating at the time but when they give yes. you the reasons you can understand why yes i yes i had cancelled a appointments yeah. as well and you know you're expecting to go in on a date and then they say well, i'm really sorry we've got no beds yeah like, oh, for god's sake i've built myself up for this yeah but then uh, you, but then you find out why there are no beds and you're like <clears throat> okay yeah because this, the, this the, could be worse yeah it could have been worse uh, my surgeon just come in and said I'm, I'm very sorry we've got no no high dependency beds i'm not willing to do this operation if you can't get yes treatment afterwards so Okay, so you finally got in in and... September. Yeah. Okay, and was the procedure smooth? Yes. Okay, and did they get all of it? Ninety percent. Okay, so a bit of residual tumor yes. left over. Yeah. <clears throat> and how how did you were you in hospital for long? Did you uh, uh, after the, and did you have anything like CSF leaks or any complications like that? No, it all went very smooth. And I was in for three days. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing, isn't it, that, you know, when you think about it, 10 years to get to that point and three days to fix it. Yes, it was, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. And, and, how, and how did you feel when you, when you got out of hospital? Did you start to notice changes quickly or did it take a bit of time? It was... Uh, instant, basically, you could, uh, my, my hand, fingers, uh, uh, so shrunk back, shrunk a bit. back, uh, my skin was not so oily, right. I didn't, yeah, it, my facial features were practically instant. Wow. Yeah, the puffiness around my eyes disappeared it was yeah it's, am it's amazing isn't it it's it's uh <clears throat> i had a similar experience where you know you, you, i would sort of wake up and my bed would be soaked with kind of all of this excessive fluid that built up in the body 
you know, over the years and it sort of drains out of you. And you really do notice a daily change in your in your face and your hands and your feet. It's it's quite incredible, really. Okay, so uh, we're 10 years on, uh, and um, I'm assuming, are you still on some medication to manage that sort of last 10% or yes. med-free? Yes, okay. uh, I'm on octreotide at the moment, uh, a four-weekly injection, 30 mil. Okay, and is that, that's not self-administered, that's a nurse, I presume, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's nurse-administered, so... A home visit every four weeks. Okay, but how has life been? Say, you know, since that uh, twenty ten surgery, uh, you know, I'm assuming you've had no return of symptoms or uh, no sort of secondary tumor growth or anything like that. Has has life generally been normal? I guess is the question. Yeah, at the moment it's great. I'd say. The last few years, uh, the last four four years, have probably I've been the fittest I've been for years. But I had uh, what I'd say a, an up and down couple of years post surgery where right. it was just getting my medication right. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was on uh, lanreotide, and I just couldn't get on with it. And in in what way? Side effects. Side effects. And I'm on the same dose of octreotide as lanreotide, but the lanreotide didn't bring my uh, numbers into range. Right, okay. But the octreotide has. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think there is that bit of experimentation, isn't there, with just finding the right dosage, what meds work best for you. Um, and I appreciate that's probably frustrating, but I think when you get there, oh, when you get life, there. Yeah. yeah, life returns to a degree of normality, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, and I know you love going gigging and, uh, you know, going to live events with Tracy. So it really must have given you that energy back and that desire to want to live again and, and do things. Yes. And, uh, it, it's hard to put into words, but, before diagnosis, it's you're going through. You know, you know something's wrong, but it's mm. it's it's just you get up and go, disappears yeah. everything. Things that you normally like, you you just can't be bothered to do. And post surgery, it's just you've got your life back. It's yeah. I I always said it's like a plug being lifted off your soul and that you you know all of this crap runs down the drain and suddenly you know you're you're back to sort of some degree of where you were again and and you can start to enjoy life a bit more again and have that energy and that get up and go and yeah and i think that's a really important message as well to anyone listening uh that maybe has been recently diagnosed and they can't see what the future might hold, I think for a large percentage of people diagnosed with acromegaly, there is that light at the end of the tunnel and there is that return to a degree of normality uh, and having your life back as it once was. What what would your advice be to anyone, uh, you know, that has been recently diagnosed? 
I think the uh, best advice I could give is stick with it, get help from your family, make sure your, your partner understands what's going on, that what you're going through, because the support you get from your family is absolutely amazing. You, yeah, yeah you, you do. But don't give up. Try and... Oh, okay, I'm struggling to put it into words here, Dan, but... <laughs> no, I think we get the emotion of it, and it's... Yeah. You're right, it's and don't give up, isn't it? Don't be yeah, beaten by it. Don't let this disease define your life. It's... You, you, the real you is still there, and it will come out again. Keep with uh, it. That's brilliant. And, and I was going to say another little tip is through acromegaly support, you 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 will get close to a few people and sort of try and buddy up with someone on here and get other people's stories. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask that. Did you utilise support uh, or social media? In 2010, I guess, that I don't know if there were groups or forums around. Uh, you know, how, how did you find the help of others? Uh, well, my specialist endocrine nurse at the time when I was uh, diagnosed, uh, she probably gave me the best advice I've ever had and the worst advice. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I'll, I'll start with the best advice. She said, always always keep a holiday booked. Always book, even if it's a date night with your wife, put something in your diary that you've got something to look forward to. Okay. And yeah, it was. Um, I've stuck to that all the way through. When I come off holiday, we always book the next. We always have something to look forward to. The nice. worst advice, she said, stay away from the internet and chat rooms. Don't talk to anyone else. It's only doom and gloom. <laughs> <laughs> and I took that advice for about two years. And it's... No, it was terrible because I really needed to talk to people to and talk to people who have been through this. And do you now find that now you have been through it that you become the advocate and you become the one that that can share advice and guidance uh, when you're not seeking it so much anymore? Yes. And there's a great sense of reward in that, isn't there? Oh, it's yes. Yeah, it's it's great to to pass on your experiences. So, you know, at the time, I found acromegaly support. It was, you know, it was such a relief for me to actually speak to someone. Yes. It, yep, it, I, I, I think that's essential for anyone listening. Again, if you've just been diagnosed, don't be afraid to talk to others. Get the whilst your specialists and your uh, consultants will give you medical advice, they can't necessarily tell you what it's like to live with the condition and all of those things that go with it. So, I think talking to people is is really powerful. Uh, and, and this is exactly why I launched Acro Tales to give people that resource that they can access these patient stories and hear the raw, you know, rough and ready 
approaches to how we how we cope with these things. Yeah, it's speaking speaking to fellow acros is 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 a way forward. And if you can get to any meetings, go. There are there's local uh, pituitary foundation meetings. Yeah. All over the country, we have we have a local one on the only acromegalic that goes. But yeah, you'll find that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll sit in with plenty of cushions, patients, and yes, okay. Well, Phil, I I think it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you, and uh, um, you know, as with all stories, uh, an inspiration to others that you can cope with this and you can you can get through it. So. Um, I just want to say thank you very much for sharing your story. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a pleasure. No, thank you. And if you found Phil's story interesting and want to hear other Acro Tales, head over to acrotales.com where you can find the ever-expanding library of interviews. And, of course, you can subscribe to the podcasts to receive the latest updates from iTunes, Spotify, and so on. So I just want to say one last time a big thank you to Phil and we'll see you next time for another Acro Tale.